0: Got this one? All right, we're back in business. Amen to that. That hymn has one of my favorite lines, that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. That's been my experience over these last few months. The wrong seems very, very strong. My faith is still kind of strong, and I feel like I'm being pulled in both directions in this middle ground. Maybe you feel the same way. Even our worshiping here this morning, I feel like we're stuck in all these middle spaces. Here we are, stuck between home and the actual sanctuary, right? Stuck between comfort and death by dehydration. In so many ways, we are in the land in between right now. Uh, There is a fancy theological word for this that I'm going to repeat several times. I commend it to you. It is the words liminal space. That means you have gone beyond a limit and that you are in a land or a place in between. And here's the beautiful thing about liminal spaces. God loves these in-between places. They are the places where God does his best and most amazing work. In liminal space, it is where God proves himself to truly be our God And in liminal space, it's where our faith and trust in God is revealed and proven to be what it really is. On two different occasions, God brought his people, the entire people of Israel in the Old Testament, into a liminal space, a borderland, the threshold of the land of Canaan. These two experiences were 40 years apart, and the reaction of God's people could not have been more different. So we're going to quickly visit these two liminal spaces on the border of the promised land. Uh, they are in the Bible in Numbers chapter 13 and 14 and in the book of Joshua chapter 2. The first time this occurred, only a few months, a handful of months after leaving Egypt, after being freed from slavery... God's people, the Israelites, found themselves on the threshold of the promised land. And this first time, Moses, their leader, appointed 12 spies to cross the border and go investigate this promised land. We know the names of each of these 12 spies. They're recorded at the book in the beginning of Numbers chapter 13. Here were the orders for the spies. Investigate the land and investigate the people. They did this, quite frankly, if you're going to try to do a low-level reconnaissance tour, sending 12 people is probably a little too many, a little cumbersome. I think maybe Moses had in mind that this would be a consensus-building public relations mission more than anything. But the spies go in, and they come back, and they report that the land is amazing. It's fruitful. It's productive. They come back carrying huge grapes, so far so good. And then ten of the spies open their mouths in a public gathering, maybe like this. And the ten spies start talking, and they say this, quoting from the Bible. We went into the land where you sent us— and it does flow with milk and honey. It's amazing. But the people who live there, they are powerful, and their cities are fortified and so large. All the people there were of such a great size. We seemed like tiny grasshoppers in our own eyes when we looked the same to them. There was one time I was at an NBA game in Sacramento, California, and just about 10 feet away from me, there was a guy about my size, like, 5'10 or 11 and he was stretching the king's center Vladi Divac who was like 7 foot 4 and the guy who was my size was not even as tall as Vladi Divac's legs this is what the Israelites felt like like we looked into the promised land but all the people they seem so strong and they're so much bigger than us two spies had a very different report guys named Joshua and Caleb here was their report let's go we can do this Now, in this in-between place, people of faith always have this question. Are we facing obstacles that are impossible to surmount? Or are we facing a new opportunity that, with God's help and and strength, is going to bring us into a totally new reality? The first time God's people, faithful people, entered that space on the border of the promised land, they freaked out. They said, there's no way they can do this. They had a public gathering and said, what we need to do is kill Moses, our leader, and appoint someone else to be a leader. And then maybe we can go back to Egypt and the Egyptians will take us back to be their servants and slaves. That's how much they wanted to get back to the life that they knew, lest we think they were crazy if we could all snap our fingers simultaneously and rewind time and go back four months and have no coronavirus and COVID and just return to the life that we once knew, would you be tempted to snap your fingers and accomplish that? (laughs) Right? If we did that, as tempting as it is, We would be denying God, however, the opportunity to do what only God can do when God-sized problems confront the world and his people. Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb, they said this to the people. If the Lord is with us, we do not need to fear what's ahead. But God will not work where there is no faith. God will not work where there is no hope about what could be. Even Jesus himself did no miracles in his own hometown because people had no faith there. Instead, God's people are disciplined and head back out into the wilderness, the dry, hot, liminal space for another 40 years. How does that sound? 40 years more of this. Whew. An entire generation of adults, two entire generations of adults live the rest of their lives in the wilderness because they did not have the faith to embrace the promises of God that something better might be ahead. Fast forward 40 years. Moses is gone. Aaron is gone. Two generations of adults have lived and died. And the people of God, now led by Joshua, that once young man, stand at the same border, in the same liminal space. And this time, Joshua appoints only two spies much more clever, to go into the promised land and do some reconnaissance. So these spies go and cross the border into the first border city. I'm in Joshua chapter 2 right now. The city's name is Jericho. And these two spies meet a woman named Rahab. Now she is a madam, we might say, with a dodgy reputation in the city of Jericho. And while the spies are at her house, the authorities come to her door and start knocking. Rahab, we know there's spies at your house. Rahab lies to the authorities. She says, well, they were here, they were clients, but then they left town, so good luck trying to find them. She has really hidden them on the side of her house underneath a bunch of crops and blankets. The Bible actually commends her for lying in this case because she is denying the truth to those who are pursuing injustice and bolstering those who are pursuing God's will. Rahab lies, and then she says to the spies, Joshua 2, chapter 9, I know the Lord is handing this land over to you, and we, the people of my city, are absolutely terrified of you, and all who live in this land are cringing before you already. And Rahab gives the reason behind this cringing. We know what happened When the Red Sea parted, we know your God has already set you free from Pharaoh and from Egypt. We know that your God is the God in heaven above and earth below. Like This is an amazing testimony from this woman. In the land in between, it takes a woman who is outside of the family of the people of God, a Gentile woman with a dodgy reputation, to be the first person on record to confidently see the opportunity that God is offering his entire family in the promised land. Now Jericho's walls were famously tall and wide. Thick enough that people actually lived on the wall and in the wall. And Rahab had one of these houses that was on the wall. Rahab and the spies make a deal with each other. She will let them down from her window over the wall by a red rope at night. Literally, their lives are going to be hanging by a thread from her house. I mean, she could have thrown the rope out, that would have been the end of the two spies. In return, The spies promise her that when God's people come back to Jericho to conquer the city, that she will place the same red rope outside of her window and that she and her family and people will be spared and then adopted into the family of God. The spies promise, Rahab, you'll be safe, you'll be rescued, you'll be saved. And with this red rope, Rahab and the spies' lives are literally tied up or bound up together. Both of their lives are literally hanging by this tiny thread. They promise each other, if I die, you die too. The same thread is keeping both of us alive. Their lives are quite literally on the line. The spies return across the Jordan River and report to Joshua the leader. And they say, surely the Lord is giving this new land over to us. All who live in the land are cringing before us. Joshua speaks up and leads and inspires all the people who then, full of confidence in God, cross the Jordan River and enter into an era of new adventure. The minute they cross the Jordan River, all of their lives are on the line. It is not easy street. (laughs) It is one problem and one battle after another, but they are crossing out of liminal space into faith space into adventure space into we need god to show us the next step of the way kind of space all of their lives are on the line but they have left the land in between and now we're in the land of adventure by god's grace this gathering today we are taking a similar modest but important step we have seen the land in between we've had more than enough fear anxiety troublesome thoughts. I mean, for me, like for years, for a decade. We are not now entering the land where everything is going to be easy, but by God's grace into the new world that we are entering, a world that needs good news and the light of Jesus Christ more than ever, we are again entering a place where we can say full of God confidence, this new time belongs to the gospel, the good news. Amen? Here's the amazing thing about Rahab. She was not just some Gentile woman with a dodgy reputation. She was adopted into the family of God because of faith. She became the great, 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 great grandmother of King David himself, the greatest king of Israel. Like, that's a pretty great family line. And if you go far enough out, she's the great, 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 great grandmother of this woman named Mary and this man named Jesus of Nazareth. This is what confidence in God and courage and faith can bring into this world, even though so many things are wrong. Just a little cooperation with the promises of God brings about amazing results. Jesus himself, when his life was hanging by a thread on a cross between earth and heaven, Jesus himself, when he was entombed in the middle space between mortality, life, and death, Jesus himself offered his very life to his disciples, to people like us. And it's in this in-between space that Jesus still desires to meet disciples like us in 2020. This is celebrating communion. To enter this space with Jesus. So, if you have juice and wine in front of you, I'd invite you to take it out now. It's going to take a little unwrapping. <laughs> we remember that on the night that he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. And after he had prayed and given thanks to God, he broke it. And in the presence of his disciples, he said, This bread is now my body, which is given for you. As often as you eat of it, do this in remembrance of me. So brothers and sisters, I invite you to take the bread, to eat, to remember and believe that Jesus' body is going to give us the strength to walk forward into a new reality. After the Lord and his disciples had eaten this meal together, Jesus took a cup, the cup of redemption. He poured out wine in their presence, saying, this is now the cup of the new covenant, a new age of promise, which is given to you in my blood. As often as you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. So invite you to take and to drink and to remember and believe that the blood of Jesus was shed to cover all of your sins, the sins of the world, and to make us righteous before God so that we can walk into a new era full of confidence in God. Lord, we thank you for these gifts. We thank you that even on a sweltering day, we can experience your presence, the gift of fellowship, that we can hear your word with these ears of ours, and that our hearts can be refilled with your promise. Lord, we open ourselves to you. Fill us up with faith, with love, with hope in you. Jesus, you've done it all already. We're your church. We want to be the light that the world needs right now. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to close with a song uh, called The Blessing. It's literally the wilderness blessing that Moses offered over the people of God in that liminal in between space. Invite you to sing along.